It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome into A to Z Sports Primetime from the Zen Sports Studios. Finally back in the Zen Sports Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising. I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by the wonderful people at Zen Sports. Download the app, plug in the promo code ATOZTN, and get up to $1,000 on your no danger first wager. ZenSports.com is how you get in on all the action. The TrueMath Fitness in the Gulch, the best workout in Middle Tennessee for the best version of you. Go to TrueMathFitness.com for your first workout free as a Middle Tennessee resident, and they will deliver for you with flying colors and get you in position to succeed on all of your fitness goals. TrueMathFitness.com for that first workout free. Bowers, speaking at the Combine today, uh, much less definitive and he, it's not like he was super definitive at the Super Bowl when he was asked by Mike Florio and Chris Sims about this, but you all remember it. And uh, seeing Bowers at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas on the set with NBC and them asking, hey, where would you like to play? Those questions almost never get answered. Where would you like to play next year? Who would you like to get drafted by? And he, you know, he kind of thought about it for a second. He said, I don't know, Tennessee. Tennessee would be a good time to, or, and, and, you know, was, was pretty short with it, but he said, Tennessee. And so of course, Titans fans lose their mind. They're like, Oh my God, a tight end at seven. It's something that I couldn't possibly conceive. And then we had to all remind you that no, it's not a tight end at seven. It's Brock Bowers at seven. And those are two very different conversations, especially when the drop-off between Bowers and the rest of the tight end prospects are what they are. But then he was asked again about it today. He was asked several times about it today. And basically, what I took away from the discussion, and I may be inferring just a little bit, um, well, we, we, can, we can talk about this, actually, before I get too far ahead of myself with your Two Rivers Ford take on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. What do the Titans do in the first round? A wide receiver, a left tackle, or other tight end, corner, edge, whatever the case may be, what do you think is the most likely outcome for the Titans to select uh, let us know in the comment section. It's your Two Rivers Ford take. As always, it is presented by Two Rivers Ford. Quality American-made Ford vehicles and award-winning customer service. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. They are always there for you. And I very much appreciate the 2024 Ford Explorer they gave me to drive up to Indianapolis. I'm going to head out to Two Rivers Ford tomorrow before the radio show and drop that back off and pick up my Ford Explorer because I miss sugar very much. That's my baby. Anyway, tight end hadn't really crossed people's minds until Brock Bowers invoked the name of Tennessee. And, you know, understandably so. We perked up our ears, perked up your ears. Uh, I'm sure Titans Brass heard it as well. Uh, I know Titans Brass heard it as well and said, okay, well, uh, what's what's the viability of this? Talking to Brock Bowers today, it felt like he, he it felt more like he was talking about Nashville as opposed to the Tennessee Titans. Now, here's what we know about Bowers. He's got a girlfriend. His girlfriend goes to UT. The closest NFL city in proximity to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville is, of course, the Tennessee Titans. 
Uh, he has played in the Southeast. He's from California. He's been at Georgia for the past three years. He's probably been to Nashville at some point uh, in the uh, in the over the course of the last couple of years, whether that's meeting his girlfriend halfway or something like that. Whatever the case may be, Brock Bowers is more interested in Nashville than he is interested in the Titans. Was my main takeaway from the uh, from the uh, podium availability that Brock Bowers gave today. So wide receiver, left tackle, or other is the question. Um, we have so many needs as Brandon Brown. I wouldn't be mad just taking the best player left on the board at seven. I, that's 100%. So you, you really can't go wrong. Now, I think a lot of you think that you don't have a need at tight end. And I mean, sure, you could make it work with Chig and Wiley and add an additional tight end, whether that's as a blocker, uh, you know, somebody to work out of the backfield. I doubt they're going to have a fullback. Uh, anymore in this kind of an offense, but we'll see. They're not constructed like the Cincinnati Bengals, so that may be uh, a process that occurs over time. Eric Alonzo is in the category of we don't need a tight end. Well, again, he's not a tight end. He's Brock Bowers. He's potentially wide receiver one. He's basic. He's potentially skill player one. Um, he is the third best prospect in this draft, and what you have at tight end is an underachieving Chig, a fourth-round pick who – was drafted by a different administration, was coached by a different administration, and now should be 100% on notice that both the person, both the people who were responsible primarily for his drafting no longer work here. So I don't think that Chig's any kind of irreplaceable at all. Uh, you have Wiley, who we'll see what happens with him. I think he's, uh, he's very intriguing in, in this new style that they're going to play, given that he's a converted wide receiver and he's certainly a large target. He started to show some things. He improved as a blocker. Chig basically didn't do much of anything until the final quarter of the NFL season. At that point, you know, the Titans were basically out of the race. Uh, I think that when you look, uh, I think that when you look, uh, we got Wesco, says Lewis. No, he's an unrestricted free agent, so you don't have Trayvon Wesco anymore. And even if you did, like none of those players are good enough to stop you. They shouldn't even make you think about not taking Brock Bowers. If that's the decision that they decide to make, right? Nothing about Chig is better than Brock Bowers. Nothing about Wiley is better than Brock Bowers. I think that a uh, uh, curator says, I have more faith in Chig than Burks. Sure. But you don't have, you have zero faith in Burks. Like it's not really uh it's not, it's like one of those tallest short person in the room discussions <laughs> to having more faith in Chig than Burks. None of them. Uh, and really that, that 2022 class McCreary is the only one that you have a degree of trust in. I mean, I don't trust NPF. I don't trust Burks. I don't trust Chig yet. Um, Phillips certainly is not somebody that I have any level of reliability in, even though I think that he can be uh, a productive player. And and certainly all of all of those players that we just talked about from that 2022 draft class, um, of which Chance Campbell was also a part of, if I remember correctly. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody from that 2022 draft class. But like a, a vote of confidence for Chig over Burks means absolutely nothing to me because none of them have done anything worthy of earning your trust today now i i'm sympathetic because in the case of burks and phillips it's health npf i'm less sympathetic for because i know a shoulder situation ended his season but uh, the gambling thing was so stupid that cost him the first couple of games of the year and he's not at to date he's not been a very good player now can bill callahan fix that sure 
but um, there's nothing there's nothing there about any of uh, any of the 2022 2022 draft picks other than Roger McCreary that I have any semblance of trust in, and we'll see what happens with McCreary because McCreary is a solid corner, but he's not any kind. He's not like a lockdown corner. He's not McCreary Island, right? We're not talking about him within that context. Bossman Jem said the coaching staff didn't do any of those players a favor a favor either, Buck. Well, I mean, I don't know. What what does the coaching staff have to do with Traylon Burks getting concussions and turf toes and um uh, LCL sprains in in uh, Minnesota in the preseason? What is the, the the you know, maybe maybe the offensive line situation will change and and that'll be clear and obvious to us, but that has yet to happen, so I don't know if NPFs inability to stop inside pass rush moves is an NPF problem um, in the same way that Dillard and how late he is with his hands and how quickly it allows people to bull rush him and get into his chest. It's just something that never clicked. It's not like because we all see it, they didn't see it as well. It's not like they didn't try to make those corrections and we'll see how much better the offensive line gets with a higher caliber or higher quality of coach because certainly they have the best offensive line coach in football now. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But like to blame the to blame the last coaching staff, I think is lazy. I think it ignores a lot of the problems that these players have. I think that Phillips and Burks and their durability is nothing that the coaching staff can do about that. If those if Kyle Phillips gets hurt on the first punt return of the preseason against Minnesota, as he did, what what is the coaching staff going to do with that? If Kyle Phillips drops another muffs another punt the way that he continued to do to, to the point where it made, it gave them the, it gave them an excuse to make him a healthy scratch in some instances because he couldn't play special teams. And I know you're going to get caught up in the idea of playing special teams, meaning that you should be a healthy scratch uh, if that's the only thing that you do. But if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't play special teams and Traylon Burks doesn't play special teams and Kyle Phillips better damn sure play special teams. And he didn't. So, you know, to date, Esco says, uh, just say it, terrible draft class. Well, yeah, but it's three terrible draft classes, right? That's compounded this problem. And 2022 can still be salvaged or they cannot. I, this is a huge year for them, right? We're already in we're already in year four. Think about this. Dylan Raidens is in his contract year already for the 2021 draft class. How much has the 2021 draft class really contributed? The answer is not that much. And 2020 before that, I mean, all of them, literally all of them, including Christian Fulton as of March 13th. We'll see if he comes back or not, but all of them are already off the roster. Think about that. That shit's crazy. Uh, that coaching staff isn't here anymore, Buck, says Curator. I know. I I completely understand, but I think to just kind of uh, shrug your shoulders and be like, oh, it was the last coaching staff. They were terrible. Well, they were certainly just fine of a coaching staff when you had more reliable players, right? Uh, I'm not saying that the coaching staff couldn't have done better. I'm not saying that the players are totally to blame, but Certainly, the players in the last three drafts have been completely underwhelming, um, have been completely disappointing, with with the exception. I mean, Roger McCreary, they've had 11 top 100 picks in the last three, uh, prior, to, prior to 2023. They had 11 top 100 picks in the 2020 through 2022 NFL drafts, and one of them has turned into a legitimate NFL player in Roger McCreary, which is crazy to think about. Uh, so let's, uh, let's keep it moving. Uh, well, tight end, or excuse me, wide receiver, left tackle or other, what position do you think the Titans end up going with at the seventh overall pick? If they in fact stick and pick to date, I think it's going to be an interesting discussion. I'm going, if, if you gave me, you know, 
offensive line or the field, I'm probably going to take the field and not just because I had your head coach on the radio show on Tuesday and it really made a lot of you think, including myself, that skill position players at seven should absolutely be on the table, wide receiver, Brock Bowers, or otherwise. A couple years ago in Cincinnati, you guys had offensive line needs. You guys had wide receiver needs, similar to the situation with the Titans, and ultimately Jamar Chase was the pick. Turned out pretty good player. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good player. Pretty good player. Benay Sewell sitting there as well. What was kind of the, the dialogue for you guys as a staff? Because, you know, I imagine there's going to be similar discourse around yeah. the offensive line prospects and wide receivers in this draft. You know, one, one of the things I've always said when, when asked about this debate is um, – I, I had landed at some point in my career, usually in, in Denver is usually what I liken back to when we had uh, Demarius Thomas, uh, Wes Welker, Julius Thomas, and uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Obviously, we had a great quarterback that was at, at the end of his career. Um, but those guys in one-on-one situations could win uh, when you needed them to win. In a, in a tight moment at the end of a game, all those things. And so I've always that's always resonated with me. And when we had a chance to pick a player like Jamar, um, I always just thought back to what that offense looked like, and that was sort of the vision of what we were trying to look like in Cincinnati with a elite quarterback, elite processor, um, to find guys that could go in and separate. And the debate was always, well, you got to protect the quarterback, obviously, or you can't throw the ball. And we didn't necessarily believe that. We felt like if you got great players on the perimeter – they can go win versus press coverage and all the teams that are trying to condense everything and rush the passer uh, if you can win quick you can throw quick Um, so that was our philosophy in that moment obviously Jamar Chase coming out premier player Uh, there was no doubt that he was going to be an all pro player there was no doubt that Panay Sewell was going to be an all pro style tackle there was no question on either one of those players um, their talent level and how they would fit in the NFL I think that's unique. I don't know that you're ever going to get in a spot where sure. both, both of those guys Different year. Are, are that caliber of player where there's going to be one that's going to be better than the other, and, and that sort of makes a decision for you at the end of the day. But um, I've always felt like today's offenses, I think you still have to protect the quarterback, um, but but to score points, you got to have guys that can score points. And um, I've always felt that. I've always believed that. That doesn't mean that that's we're just going to automatically take a receiver. Uh, hey, you're giving people chest tightness, yeah, Brian. No, it doesn't, it, I don't mean to say that. I'm just philosophically I've always felt like the, the better, more more talented receivers you have, the better chance you have to score points. Um, but So uh, you can hear the full Brian Callahan interview with uh, – uh, excuse me, you can hear the full Brian Callahan interview. You can hear the full Rand Carthon interview that I did on the radio show this week. Uh, on the radio show podcast, or you can go check out 104.5 The Zone's YouTube channel because both interviews uh, are <laughs> are posted there. Uh, a lot of you asking me why I was sitting like that, why I was sitting back in my chair with my legs crossed because I was comfortable. Uh, what you don't you don't sit back. I mean, I personally when I'm when I'm gonna do three hours of sports talk radio, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get comfortable. So I sat back, I put my leg up, I having a big time. Um, did you Buck? Did you notice Brian is a big guy? A big guy? No, I mean, I don't, he's not. I don't think he's. I don't think he's taller than me. I don't. He's not that big of a guy. I mean, he's, he's, uh, I mean, I'm six foot two, so I guess I'm above average. And if he's, I don't know, is he six foot two? He's not. He's not like Vrabel big, <laughs> right? Which apparently won't get you hired. Uh, but I think that. Uh, I think that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, interest in Brian Callahan and getting to know him for the first time really for the first time uh, getting to know him is something that I enjoy up at the combine. Cause I haven't really gotten a chance to one-on-one chop it up with him. And then, you know, before the radio show started and after the radio show, just 
talking to him uh, in a little more low-key of a setting, right, without the press conferences, without us all climbing over one another, throwing questions at his neck and things like that, talking over one another, this, that, and the other. Uh, Brandon says, Buck trying to look like Drake with that beard and stash. No, I've just been out of town for four days, and I left my razor at home. Don't worry, it'll be just stash uh, by tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, but I think that uh, I think that there is a, a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, interest in what the Titans will do, and I think Brian Callahan and you know the offense obviously are going to have a huge influence in what the Titans do with all of their draft picks, not just the seventh overall draft pick. Uh, Patrick Bird says you already left the combine too, Buck. Come back for the groundbreaking day. No, I did not come back for the groundbreaking day. I came back because I'm tired of sleeping in a uh, in a hotel bed for four nights, and uh, I can watch all the offensive line and wide receiver drills on television. Um, I am, however, not responsible for interviewing and making the picks for the offensive linemen and wide receiver. So it's a little better if it's a little more okay if I do that, as opposed to your coaching staff and your front office. But you know, groundbreaking, whatever. Everybody put on a hard hat. I, uh, you guys, you guys want to hear something messed up? Well, actually, we'll save it. We'll save it for weekend bounce back because. I saw a lot of the stuff to come out of the groundbreaking. We'll talk about the groundbreaking uh, at the new Nissan stadium today by the time we get to the end of the show. But I had a really morbid thought that came across my mind um, as I was watching some of the stuff from the groundbreaking uh, after I got home earlier this afternoon, earlier this evening. And I will share that with you a little later. So what do the Titans do? I'm inclined to think skill position player over offensive line. So I include Bowers and wide receivers in that discussion, not a running back. Um, Stokely said, did we ever get a public apology from you on letting Moonbeam climb that ladder when you were cat sitting? No, you, nor, nor will you. I will not apologize for trying to change a light bulb. I, I hardly do ever anything for myself. Uh, I hardly do anything for myself in my home whatsoever. I usually just try to pay somebody to do it to get me out of doing anything, but I can change a light bulb. So the one time I try to do something, for myself in my house, I take out the step ladder. I go, I go to get a light bulb, and already one of the cats is hanging off the ladder, like a like a damn chimpanzee. Either way, we will uh, get into that later. Eric Alonzo says, "I've seen Buck in person. He's more like five eight than six two. I don't think I've been five eight since like fourth grade, but uh, you know, six six two flat footed, uh, six three and a half in heels. If I've got boots on, that is what it is." Um, all right, let's keep it moving on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. So we're talked about future Titans. Let's talk about Titans heading into year two. Uh, who do you think is most likely to quote unquote, make the leap in year two on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. Let me know while you guys do that. I'll remind you that the primetime program is presented by Zen sports and their same game parlay offers. They have great offers for you. Whether you are getting involved with your no danger first wager, whether you are there to get in on their NBA and NHL same game parlays, Zen Sports is an awesome place for you to make wager on all of your favorite major sports. Uh, 10 boosted same game parlays for NBA and NHL every single day. That's 10 bets, each with a 10% boost, and you can bet every single one of them. Zen Sports betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call the Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions do apply. No danger wager limited to plus 500 odds to qualify. Boosted odds are derived from equivalent parlays. Bets offered in Tennessee must be 21 and up and in Tennessee to bet. ZenSports.com for more information. Uh, so who do you think is most likely to make the leap in, will two, uh, in year two? I said will two. 
Uh, maybe I gave gave myself away. Caleb Meadows says, Will Levis, I hope and pray. Uh, Spears and Levis says, Bryson Williams. Levis, obviously, if we make the right moves this offseason. Levis says, Quentin Lane. Burks says, Hill Antill. He's feeling confident. Hopefully, it's at Levis, says uh, Eric Alonzo. Um, let's see. We need the mailman to arrive. Stephen King, a lot of Levis love. You know, I, I would invite a lot of you guys to go back and, and do a couple of things, okay? If you, if you get some time and you're just curious to see the perspective that I'm coming from. It seems like everybody, and it doesn't matter what everybody else in the NFL thinks about your quarterback, but it is very, uh, it is very, very much not a... Will Levis is the future of the Tennessee Titans vibes. Anytime you talk to anybody outside of this market, which I don't want to say that it surprised me because I've, I've not, you know, I've not committed to, uh, you know, to saying that Will Levis is the future franchise quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. And I'm not, you know, I know he's their present. I know he's their immediate future, but I'm not, you know, there's not nearly enough out of his rookie year for me to, say anything declarative like Will Levis is going to be the next quarterback of the Titans for 10 years to listen to Brian Baldinger talk about Will Levis at the Super Bowl to hear Dan Orlovsky talk about him at the Super Bowl I had Danny Heifetz of the ringer on today uh talking about Will Levis at the Super Bowl it's very much just kind of like a eh, we'll see and I, I get that perspective and I appreciate that perspective because sometimes I think we can, you know, we can just be a little too close to this. You guys know me. I'm not what any of you would consider a homer. Um, but even I, uh, every once in a while, I, I, by the end of the season, talk myself into, okay, Will Levis viable, right? And I'm not saying that he's not viable. He's obviously viable for the immediate future. And we'll see how much more viable he can become moving forward but I think that just because it was different and just because of the uh just because of the um you know the debut was as star uh star not star studded but striking as it was there's a lot of that Derek says none of those people watch Titans games no Dan Orlovsky uh Dan Orlovsky Danny Heifetz and uh Brian Baldinger all watch Titans games you see the Baldy bright you know they watch you know they watch Titans games Derek you're just being uh, you're just being petulant. Brian Baldinger literally watches every team in the sport and provides those Baldy breakdowns. You know how many of them are out there. You can literally go find them on the internet for yourself. It's a whole Twitter timeline for them. So you know that Orlovsky breaks Will Levis down on NFL Live. You know that Brian Baldinger does the breakdowns on the on the internet. You know Danny Heifetz writes the quarterback index every year for the ringer. Like, of course, that's a ridiculous thing to say. Not all of the national me- – there are some people who don't watch your team. You were absolutely correct. I would not have brought, invoked the names – of three people who do watch your football team on a regular basis. Um, if I I would not come into this discussion with something that I knew you guys could shoot down because there are plenty of people who don't watch your football team, but these very much are people that do. Um, and including Greg Cosell. Now, Greg, you know that Greg and I do the podcast every week. By the way, we announced that we're doing another live show here in, uh, here in uh, what, the first week of May. We're going to do it a week after the draft. Uh, at the analog, Greg's flying in from Philadelphia, from NFL Films headquarters. We're going to do it the week after the draft. We're going to have the full Titans draft class to talk about. It's going to be an awesome event. There's going to be food. There's going to be booze. There's going to be Titans-related uh, uh, participation. The Titans are uh, are um, have uh, have talked to us about 
Uh, well, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil any surprises. Maybe I'll spoil some surprises as we get as we get closer to May third, Friday, May third. But anyway, 1045thezone.com. You can go get tickets to the install live taping, which is going to be awesome. I uh, talking to Greg about it. Greg and I have talked about Levis a lot. Obviously, there's been shit else to talk about with the Titans, other than for us to continue to remind you how terrible your offensive line group is. And what Greg Greg and I's conclusion has consistently been is Will Levis looks like he belongs. Okay, sure. Andy Dalton looks like he belongs and has at various points in his career. I know Andy Dalton is, you know, uh, is Andy? Andy was in the league last year. He started a couple games for Carolina. Um, You know, Carson Wentz has looked like he's belonged at times. Uh, Jared Goff is, I think, somebody who a lot of people still have a negative connotation around. But Jared Goff is not the best quarterback in the world. But Jared Goff looks like he belongs at times. You can put these players in position to succeed and they can continue to grow and develop and Maybe that happens here with Will Levis, but I just think that we get our we get ahead of ourselves. Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill absolutely belongs at the NFL level, has for over over a decade plus, right? But Ryan Tannehill's ceiling was hit very early on, and really never developed past that. I have no idea what Will Levis is going to be. Is my point? I'm just trying to say, you know, you hear Coach Mack talk about keeping your powder dry. Don't get too ahead of yourself. I think that there's a lot of people who would look around and say, just don't get too ahead of yourself on Will Levis just because he started nine games, he went three and six, and he had a you know a four-touchdown debut. And it was a very impressive debut, right? But there's a lot more to playing the quarterback position than just going out and airing it out in your first uh in your first NFL game. Now he did it to his credit and it was awesome. Um, but the rest of it, there's a lot, a lot, a lot that he has to improve upon. So I'm uh, I'm fascinated to see how it goes. I think that the making the leap. I'm not going to go with Levis necessarily. I'm going to go with the player that I uh, I'm going to go with the player that I feel more confident about, most confident about from their rookie draft class. It's not Will Levis. It's Tajay Spears, and you can tell that Rand Carthon feels the same way. I mean, first of all, like Tajay is a dude that we that I just described. Like he's very passionate about football. He loves the game. He's a hard worker. Um, and I think you guys that have gotten to know him know that's how he's wired and you love that about him. Tajay's one of those guys that's always in the building. You know, I know there were a lot of concerns about his knee coming out, and that was the big question this time of year and after we drafted him. But we're talking about a guy that never missed a practice, never missed a game. Um, and he's, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, he's made of the right shit. You know, and, and those are the type of guys that we want to have. Made of the right shit. Tajay Spears is the player who I feel the most confident about making the leap. He'll have uh, a more full workload than he obviously did behind Derrick Henry. He's going to be your primary running back, and we'll see how they uh, supplement the position. Remember, you do still have Hassan Haskins, even though he was uh, on the uh, commissioner's exempt list, and then he was clear to the charges uh, with the domestic violence situation with he and his girlfriend. Then he went on injured reserve, and they shut him down for the year. So Hassan Haskins never really factored in at all, right? Um, I don't know that Hassan Haskins is a solution with Tajay Spears, but we'll see. It's an option that they have at their disposal, and they'll have free agent running backs to pick from, certainly. They'll have draft picks to pick from, certainly. Uh, Eric says, any thoughts on Jim Wyatt's article? That's such a generic question to ask me. What, what article? Jimmy has written 17 articles in four days that we've been in Indy. Uh, so you're going to have to be more specific than any thoughts on Jim Wyatt's article. I had Jimmy Wyatt on the radio show yesterday though. And I'm sure whatever you're 
asking about, we probably talked about. So maybe I have perhaps already expressed my thoughts on whatever Wyatt article you're referencing, but I'm going to need more specifics from you if you would like me to expand. Um, I, Danny says, okay, I agree, Buck. Who can we get to compliment Tajay? You know, I had a, ca- a caller on the radio show bring up, uh, oh, <laughs> who's Thunder Thighs from the Green Bay Packers? Um, A.J. Dillon, right? A.J. Dillon, who's kind of, you know, seen his workload decrease year over year over year, but would be a different skill set than Spears, would give you a short yardage back, a goal line back in the same way that Derek, not maybe not in the same way that Derek does, because obviously they're not the same size, but a similar vibe, right? And you don't necessarily have too many of those guys out there. Now, I think you can find that for less than, he's projected to make three and a half million dollars on the open market this year. Julius Chestnut, Bryson Williams says, don't forget about old Chestnut. Uh, Chestnut is more of a power back for sure. And he is somebody who, uh, lasted a little while into the previous regime. He went on injured reserve as well. So Chestnut is still technically in the conversation and, and may be a viable solution. I, uh, Chestnut showed some things and certainly he's a high effort player and is willing to go on special teams. Uh, Quadzilla says, uh, Lone Star Titan. Derek says, Quadfather. Uh, Brian Speavy says, Gus Edwards. I just don't want them to pay like real money for a running back, you know, they don't have to, nobody really has to anymore. Now, maybe if you're like a team that's really close and can set themselves over the top with a Saquon Barkley or a Derrick Henry, or I mean, Nick Chubb is potentially being talked about as a cap casualty. We'll see what happens there. Josh Jacobs is out there. There's just, I just don't think you need to pay for that position. Now I'm not saying that you can completely ignore it and run with a UDFA, but Sometimes you can running back. You can more than any other position. And it's more about the system that the running back is in, as opposed to the outright running back skills. Now you have to have good running backs, but you're still going to have a division of labor and you already have your good running back. We'll see how much better than good he can get. Um, but with seven draft picks, I'm, I'm okay with using a, a day three pick on a, on a running back. So you can spend real money on actual positions that, that are worth the value wide receiver offensive line center in particular is going to be a talking point. You need edge help. You need interior defensive line help. You need corners. You need, you need a safety to go along with Amani hooker. Cause I don't think Elijah Molden is going to be a full-time solution back there. Maybe he is. I sincerely doubt it though. So I hell, do you have an inside linebacker on the roster right now? Other than Dr. Gibby, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, I there's so many different uh, things that you need to that you need to supplement this roster with that if you can avoid spending unnecessary money on a running back, then I think that you can you can probably I don't want to say put that off, but it's not a huge priority that you need to go out and spend even three and a half million dollars, and it's not a lot of money three and a half million dollars, especially when you have seventy eight and change. But uh, can you use three and a half million dollars elsewhere? Sure as hell, you don't have a kicker. I mean, guys, there are so many. There's like six players on this roster I feel good about. Out of a 53-man roster and a 48-man game day roster, there's probably six players I feel legitimately good about. Jeff Spears, hmm, Hopkins, Hooker, Harold. Can I even get to six? Oh, McCreary. McCreary. I, I feel good about those six players. Uh, Corey Smith says Falk retired. No, but he was on a one-year deal. And also he's 39. So if he decides he doesn't want to screw around with this shit anymore and play for another, I mean, I don't know how, how good or bad they're going to be in 2024. Uh, they could be six and 11 again. They could, you know, 
go from worst to first the way that the Texans did last year. Their decisions this offseason are gonna uh, are gonna solidify that. Brian Spivey says Skaronsky. No, I'm I'm not I'm not sold on uh, Peter Skaronsky yet. He the vast majority of the season he looked like a rookie offensive lineman on a bad offensive line. There's nothing about. I mean, I feel better about Skaronsky than I do the rest of the unit. Peter Skaronsky is absolutely the best offensive lineman you have on the roster. But if you're the best offensive lineman on the worst offensive line, then what does that what does that really account for? He absolutely can improve. He absolutely can be a better player. They're going to help him. Uh, they're going to get him some help. They're good. They've already got him some help in Bill Callahan. So, like I said, I'm talking about players that I am legitimately that I'm legitimately like those are actual good football players. I'm not going to give it to Skaronsky yet. I'm not going to give it to Levis yet. I'm not going to give it to uh, you know guys like like Burks or Phillips or or people that you're hopeful about. There's there's probably six players on this roster that you legitimately feel good about. Um, Terry Anderson says Skaronsky was sick part of the season. Yeah, I don't give a shit. He didn't play well. You know, if you're out there, Terry, I if you are on the football field, and he, he missed a couple of games, and it wasn't a sickness; it was an appendectomy. So it's it's a surgical procedure. And when you're doing that in the middle of a football season and it limits your ability to continue to strength train and all those things, it's absolutely a factor. I'm not I'm not denying that, but he's out there. And if he plays poorly when he's out there, then I'm going to judge him by the level of production that he does or does not have when he's available. It's like Jeff on the bad ankle all throughout the course of 2022. Jeff Simmons' production fell off a cliff after the, uh, the game, after the Sunday night football game at Kansas City. And Jeff, to his credit, fought his ass off and and – did what he needed to do medically to stay out there. And hopefully that doesn't do him any kind of long-term damage. Cause God knows he, I mean, you, you guys remember that video we had of Jeff Simmons in the locker room in Jacksonville at the end of the year, after the Jags won to, to go to the playoffs, he was, he broke down in tears. I've, I've never seen uh, that level of emotion from Jeff and, and obviously it's heartbreaking what happened to him, but he wasn't good because his ankle was bad, but he was out there and, when he's out there, I'm going to judge him by the level of production that he does or does not have. That's how it works in football, unfortunately. I mean, I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's right, but that's that's how these things go. Um, Lone Star Titan says Jeff laid it out all, all on the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody would dispute that. Um, but again, he wasn't Jeff Simmons after the Chiefs game, pretty much. He missed a ton of time after, not a ton of time, but he missed a decent amount of time and then had to had to fight through the rest of it. To his credit, he did. He, he, you know, obviously the organization respected him for it. He did it in a contract year. It was critical for him to do that, to make that kind of generational money, that $100 million-plus contract. But there was no question that they couldn't affect the quarterback and that Jeff wasn't affecting the quarterback down the stretch of that 2022 season. So it's, it's, uh, it's not fair, but it's how football works. Uh, so I'm not, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not treating them any differently than the coaching staff would treat them or the the personnel people would treat them that's that is what it is uh justin rubini says skaronsky is fine dude had a 250 pound aaron brewer next to him and andre turnstile diller after an appendectomy again justin i'm not saying that i'm out on peter skaronsky the question was which players on the roster do i feel good about i've named the six of them that i feel good about after seeing them perform and while i am you know absolutely open to skaronsky improving I would be lying to you if I could say that I felt good about Peter Skaronsky very often last year. That's all it is. That's okay. You know, it's done, like I said, doesn't mean that I'm out on him. Doesn't mean that he can't get better, but he needs to get better because last year was shitty and he was on the offensive line. That was 
uh, pro football focuses worst graded in pass blocking efficiency. You, you, I, I think most of you understand what I'm saying, so I'm not going to repeat myself over and over again. But this is the way that football players are judged. And if you believe that to be too harsh, then you are completely unaware of how it is that these people operate, the space in which they operate in. So we'll see what happens with Skaronsky. I'm not out on him by any stretch. But if you're asking me the players that I feel concretely good about heading into 2024, I gave you the six. Uh, All right. Let's keep it moving on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch right after I remind you that the primetime program is presented by TrueMath Fitness in the Gulch, a new way to work out for the best version of you. Go to TrueMathFitness.com for your first workout free. As a Middle Tennessee resident, they are always there to give you the best of what you need. Um, I know that you are going to love the personal training. I know that you're going to love the group fitness classes. I know you're going to love TrueMath if you sign up for a membership and just choose to work out at your own pace in their awesome facility in the Gulch in downtown Nashville. TrueMathFitness.com for that first workout free. Uh, so who needs a bounce back this weekend in sports? Terry Anderson says Stonehouse. You're right. There's seven, Terry. Thank you. I forgot about Stonehouse. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have, shouldn't have forgotten about Stonehouse, but I did forget about Stonehouse. I will I will grant you seven. Absolutely. Uh Bryson says if you're in the Gulch, you gotta try Carne Mar. Um, I don't yeah, I don't even think it's uh I mean it's fine. It's fine. It's nothing special. It's not uh, bourbon steak. It's not Cane Prime. The OG is still uh, the best. I don't even think it's E3 Chop House in uh, in uh, in Hillsborough Village. I don't live in the Gulch. I used to live in the Gulch. Now I live in uh, North Nashville, Germantown area. But um, yeah, Carnegie Mara. It's nothing special. It's kind of like Oak over there by the over by over there by the. Uh, I guess it's not a new JW, but it's uh, the newer JW in downtown Nashville. It's just eh, it's probably not worth the price. The other ones are though. Promise you that. Not that this, you know, not that this is an advertisement for Game Prime. They don't need my advertisements because, woo, so good. Um, anyway, uh, Buck, I want a good indie story, please, says BF. Ooh, a good indie story. <sighs> what can I tell you on air? You know, it's not as spicy of a combine as it as it has been uh, for, you know, after-hour stories. Uh, I don't have anything really for you like last year where I've got Kirby harassing the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles because he's a Cowboys fan and holding court with the entire Titans coaching staff and uh, basically running the show at prime 47 the way that he did with Lucas and I last year. Um, I had a lot of good conversations. You know, this this year for Com- at Combine was different. Obviously, I was out, uh, um, you know, and and uh, and talking to people and seeing everybody out and, and all kinds of, you know, not that you guys care about me seeing my media friends and all that, but a lot of, a lot of all, all the, the people that appear on the radio show, like Diana Rossini, like Mina Kimes, like um, Greg Cosell, just to be able to see people in person and hang out. But uh, you know, for me, mostly this year it was about getting to know your new staff. And, you know, basically I had a printout of the, of the people that I needed to make sure that I saw at some point or that I was looking for at some point uh, because, you know, the Titans coaching staff is largely new. There are some people that retained. I saw a lot of former Titans coaches up there uh, as well. Um, And I'll leave those conversations that I had with former Titans coaches for another day, perhaps. But (laughs) I, I, uh, yeah, this was mostly, you know, this is the first time I've had to get to know a new coaching staff in six years. So it was mostly kind of like, Hey, I'm, I'm me. Nice to meet you. I, uh, this is what I do. What do you do? What's your experience been like? Are you enjoying Nashville? You know, it was a, it was a little more speed dating 
this time around than it was uh, than it was normally, you know, because I've been working for the same people or working with the same people for the past six years. So, you know, you don't have to do as much meet and greet. And this year was more meet and greet. So not as sexy. Still a good time. Still very hungover. <laughs> uh, Eric Alonzo says, aren't you from Naptown? No, I'm not from Indy. I am. Uh, so this is a long, complicated answer. I know that not all of you guys care, but I, my mom's side of the family is from Evansville, Indiana. My dad's side of the family is from Cairo, Egypt. I have lived in Nashville longer than any place I've lived in my entire life. It's coming up on nine years in August that I've been in Nashville. And that was that's the longest place I've ever lived at any point in my life. I've lived in Cairo, Egypt. I've lived in Washington, D.C. I've lived in New York. Uh, I've lived outside New York. I've lived in Evansville, Indiana for a little bit uh, while I was going to high school. So four years in Evansville after my mom wanted to move home after her parents passed away. So, like, I'm... Technically, I'm. I was born in Evansville. They came back from Egypt to have me, so I could be an American citizen. Uh, and you know, obviously, for for so many different reasons, a huge benefit for me to have an American passport as opposed to an Egyptian or solely an Egyptian passport. Right now, I have the ability to be a dual citizen, which is sick. Um, but yeah, so when you ask me where I'm from, it's a little bit of a complicated answer. Anyway, uh, let's. Uh, Aubrey Calvin says, "Was Convo with the old staff good or bad?" I plenty mixed right you know i mean uh, not everybody's gonna be happy about getting fired right but i i i personally had good interactions i had plenty of conversations with people who uh who used to work for the titans either front office or coaching staff who now work for other teams um and uh and all these different things so anyway we don't got to get bogged down with that and uh, like i said maybe at some point those conversations will be worth talking about but for now we'll uh keep that close to the vest all right, weekend bounce back. Who needs to bounce back most in sports? Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch? Derek says Todd Downing was there, wasn't he? I didn't see Todd. I did not see Todd this time around. Um, <laughs> Lone Star Titan says, I'm from a strip club. Your story is way cool. Oh, well, hey, right, right on, brother. I, listen, whoever, uh, whoever, wherever and however you came to be on this uh, great planet of ours, no judgment. We all get here different ways. We all come from different places and that we're all here together. Talking about Tennessee Titans football on the primetime show, it's it's all good. It doesn't matter where you came from or how you got there. Um, unless you're, you know, just objectively a shitty human being, and then we're going to obviously, you know, bury you as we do from time to time. But that's okay. We watch the tape. We improve. Uh, so, let's say now you guys are just naming all of the Titans coaches and asking me if I talk to them. We're not going to do this tonight. All right. Uh, we can bounce back. Who needs to bounce back most in sports this week? It's not necessarily a bounce back, but the Titans opened their new st- or broke ground on their new stadium today. Um, you know, the fact that it's just now getting ground broken on and that they expect to have this thing up and running by the 2027 season. It seems like a big ask, given that it's already February, basically March of 2024. Um, but yeah, the stadium making progress. That's a decent bounce back. We will see uh, how long it actually takes them. But this was the groundbreaking ceremony today might be the only one that sees the true genius in all of this though seriously the plan is to build a state-of-the-art concert venue (laughs) that every now and then professional football takes its place so that's garth brooks at the titan titans uh groundbreaking ceremony today um, so they had they had so many different people. They had Governor Bill Lee. They had Amy Adams Strunk. They had Garth Brooks up there. They had Eddie George up there. 
I think Brett Kern was there. I don't know if they gave Brett a shovel. Titans president, Burke Nihill, Rand Carthon, Brian Callahan. You know, they had a huge photo op with all of them with shovels and all of them with Titans hard hats and, you know, uh, flipping, flipping a little bit of dirt and breaking ground officially on the new stadium. You want to know the messed up thing that I, and I, I can't help myself for having these thoughts and I'm sorry to be morbid. And it's, you know, it, I'm sure that Rand and, and Callahan and, uh, you know, <laughs> would probably be not thrilled with the fact that I, that this was the first thought that crossed my mind, but I was like, man, do I think that both of those men are going to be here when that stadium actually opens, whenever it opens, whether it's 2027, 2028 or whatever. Um, I don't know the answer to that question, but the fact that my that's immediately where my mind went to, um, because that would be a funny discussion if the new stadium opened, if you have the groundbreaking photo op and neither the head, I mean, not that it would be funny, of course, obviously it's terrible when anybody loses their job, um, unless, you know, it's appropriate that they lose their job for whatever the case may be. But yeah, that was the first. I'm sorry, I can't help it. I don't know why my brain works that way, but the first thought I had was, God, this is going to be awkward if neither of those two people are here. They broke ground on it, but if they don't actually get to see it, four seasons is a long time. Most people only get three. So, you know, clock's already started on Rand. Clock's already started on Callahan. Good luck and God bless. And, you know, for their sake, you hope it opens sooner rather than later. But, you know, that is what it is. All right. That's going to do it for us tonight. That's going to do it for us on this week of primetime shows. Thank you guys, as always, for hanging out. Hope you enjoyed the combine coverage. Combine coverage, obviously, not over. They're going to have drills. We're going to be talking about it on the radio show tomorrow. We'll have the full weekend of combine drills. Offensive linemen and wide receivers will have worked out by then. We'll uh, dive deep into those on Monday. Have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy yourself. I will talk to you guys tomorrow morning at 10 a.m on 104.5 The Zone. And if you don't tune into the radio show, shame on you. You should absolutely tune into the radio show. Why wouldn't you want more of this? How could you possibly be tired of this? Uh, but if you do uh, have something going on from 10 to 1 tomorrow, then I will talk to you guys Sunday night on A to Z Sports Prime Time. See y'all. This is our cult. This is our team. We bleed blue. This is our Colts, whether win or lose, we love them. For the shoe, beat the Titans, let the world hear us now. This is our team.